Hello, everybody, and welcome to Time and Attention, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better, more intentional human being. I'm the host of the show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 77, Sources of Motivation. This is also the first episode that I get to sit in the big chair. Wow. And use the mic that is on a nice arm. So. Why, why didn't you do the theme then? Oh, that's not my job. What? <laughs> it's not my core competency. What What does host of the show mean at this point? Because we're essentially, it, co- we haven't had a guest in a, in a long time. Yeah, I'm not sure what it means anymore. Does it just mean reading the, the intro? It just means you do literally all the logistics around it. Okay. And I just sometimes show up all to the editing, record. Yeah. All, all the editing, yeah. all the production, the show notes. I outsource all the work around this. You're to outsourcing you. to me. Yeah, normally. Oh, yeah. Lucky to have you, doctor <laughs> wife, or not? Not, yet. not doctor yet. Not yet. Doctor professor wife. Not either of those things yet, but close. What's motivating you these days? Oh, nice. Um, lots of things, both fear and rewards. Wow. Yeah. Imagine that, because that's what we're talking about today. So, I mean, I'm reading, or I've just finished this book called "Finish" by John Acuff which I feel like I've been reading forever, uh, which is a little ironic because it's a book called about finishing things. It's so like easy to read that you can pick it up after months of not reading it. Easy, breezy, beautiful. The John Acuff story. Sure. Yeah. But all that to say, in the book, he talks about this idea that people are uh, motivated by either rewards or fear. And I really thought that was such a cool way of framing like I've, I've, I've taken psychology classes. I've read all sorts of books in this space. And it was just such a simple way of thinking about like what motivates you. And I think yeah. even just thinking about my individual kind of papers or my projects, um, I can totally see this in my own work. And I, and it, he's talking about it specifically with how it relates to procrastination in projects, um, mm. which I think is really interesting because there's been one particular paper that I procrastinated for Basically three years. Um, and I'm just about to finish it. The machine learning one. Oh, yeah, this paper. Um, you shuddered. <laughs> yeah, I literally <laughs> shuddered because now it's just become this big, huge like wall of anxiety in oh. my head. But I'm almost done. In the last like two weeks, I basically reran all the analysis to like add in the stuff that I wanted and I'm almost done. Like I wrote 2,500 words yesterday on this paper. Yeah. Um, and by tomorrow it will be the first draft totally done, which is such a huge, huge excitement for me. And thinking about like these types of motivations have been kind of helpful as I finally finish this beast of a paper, which I think is going to be really good. Speaking of a beast... Motivation as a topic oh in and of itself. There's so many different angles to come at this from. I, I know you were just having uh, pour, pouring through the Psych 101 textbook. There's the situational motivation, which I think is the reward and and fear, right? Yeah. So I think you kind of have to step back a little bit even before that. So hmm. like achievement motivation is what we're talking about here, which is like yeah. really the motivation to either master difficult things. And this whole literature kind of came out of work by David McClelland, who's done a ton of research on this. And I, the reason I went back to my like Psych 101 textbook is because the literature on this is so overwhelming. Like yeah. if you just Google Scholar motivation or sources of motivation, you're going to be overwhelmed and like totally inundated with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of papers in like the psychology literature, in the business literature, yeah. in the management literature, 
in the economics literature. Everybody has a perspective on this. And so there's so many different theories. It's just a little overwhelming. And the wonderful thing about first-year textbooks is that they really distill it to the main <laughs> points. And I I love going back to first-year books sometimes for stuff like this because it just gives you the like clear, simplified version of the literature. Um, and I think what's really interesting about this kind of idea of achievement motivation where it's this need to try to master difficult challenges, this is something that's individual-based. So every person has a different achievement need. Um, and so it'll really vary from person to person. That's kind of your baseline but then around that, other people have done research that shows um, that have kind of like built on this by adding situational factors that affect your motivation as well. So it's not just affected by your um, your own achievement need, but it's also going to be based on um, the probability of success on a given activity. So mm. if you know that you're going into an exam, for example, that you know the professor is writing an exam that everybody's going to fail. Like everybody's had that prof that says, oh, everybody's going to fail my midterm that's going to be super unmotivating, right? I mean, yeah. if you're going into an exam that you know you're going to fail, you're not going to feel motivated to, to work hard because you're going to, you know you're going to fail. Um, and then the other, the other piece here that's kind of situational is the incentive for success. And so this can be either a tangible or intangible kind of rewards or, or punishments for not succeeding, right? And this is where these approach and avoidance tendencies that John Acuff mm. talked about um, really come into play, where people are either motivated by the possibility of a reward, so this is the approach tendency, or the possibility of negative outcomes, um, which is the avoidance tendency. And there's lots of literature showing that this can vary even from like task to task. So if you're motivated by reward in one particular kind of task, you might also be motivated by punishment or like negative fear in another kind of um, activity. It's interesting how much overlap there is between the different mod models of motivation too. Uh, so that whole mastery component of uh, of that theory, that, that definitely maps on top of the self-determination theory. Uh, which is ju just says that our basic psychological needs are autonomy, so we need freedom to to do as we want when we want uh, mastery. So knowing we can become the best at something and and become better at something, and purpose or relatedness, so being able to connect with other people. Uh, there, there's a lot of different theories, but it's nice how that one kind of has some of the other theories embedded inside of it too. Yeah, it's like kind of an umbrella way of thinking about what motivates people. So there's the reward and then there's the fear. The fear. The fear. Yeah. The fear. The fear. Where do, you, <laughs> where do you see this come up in your own stuff? Oh, all over the place. So ever since I've been reading, ever since I read the book, I've been thinking about this like constantly. So yeah, it's such I think, a simple idea, but with yeah. such... Uh, but when you kind of divide all the things that motivate you into that line, what is positive, what is negative, what is fear, what is opportunity, it really changes the perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, you can also kind of lean into it, right? Where if I, when I'm sitting down working on this paper that I've conveniently kicked down the curb for like three years, yeah. um, just because it was so overwhelming, like there was a lot of pressure on this paper and to be good. And I just felt a little overwhelmed by that. But I think... Leaning into the... Is it good? The, I think it actually is. Okay. Yeah. No, I think it's turned out really Can good. Can you describe this paper in uh, 20 seconds? Not yet. Okay. Maybe next week. All right. Um, but all <laughs> that to say, um, I think kind of leaning into the things that can motivate you can really motivate you, right? Like that's mm. the whole idea is, yeah. is the awareness around what does motivate you allows you to kind of like lean into that. And so for me... 
I mean, the big reward right now is like getting a PhD. If I finish this paper, not only do I get to submit it for my my dissertation, it's going to be with a third chapter of my thesis. Um, and so I get to finish the PhD, which is so exciting. Yeah. And the other kind of like short-term reward right now is if I finish this in the next two weeks, I don't have to work on it when we go on our nice trip. Yeah. So we're going on a trip in a few weeks and being able to submit this before then means I don't have to work on our trip. So it's very motivating right now is that if I get this done, I get to chill in Portugal for a couple of weeks, nice. which will be nice. Um, but then I think on the more, and then there's also like the bigger picture reward right now that is now a reality for me is tenure, right? And, yeah. and getting tenure. And and if I, if I that's, do- That's like six years away or four years four away. Four and a half or years four away, half? which will blow by, right? Yeah, so yeah. I think, um, I mean, that's a big reward though. If I, if I put in the work now, um, getting tenure is a huge deal, right? You basically get a lot more job security. You do get a like a financial benefit. Or there is a financial gain too, but yeah. you also get to, like the freedom to work on projects that are maybe a little more like time intensive or long term. Mm. So you get to kind of work on bigger scope projects oh, that are just not possible in like four and a half years when you're just like living and dying by publisher parish. D- so, does that come across in people's research where their research makes like more of an impact after tenure? Because it's longer term and deeper? I mean, yeah, you can definitely... I don't know the like statistics on this, but you, just the anecdotal evidence in my head are the the faculty who who don't just like peace off oh. when, when they, once they get tenure. That's something um, else entirely. Yeah, that's a totally different thing. Um, but the, the, pro, like the, the faculty who do get tenure, you do see like they can shift to being like more relaxed. You can focus on projects mm. that are bigger scale or bigger scope and... Or maybe not necessarily in their exact field, like they can kind of branch out. And I, I, I see so many profs who get tenure and just do like amazing, amazing work. So I know people are really critical of tenure because it's like job security for life. But I think people work really well when you're in a secure environment. So I think there's there's something to that. But anyway, interesting. I don't know the evidence on this. I'm sure people have studied research productivity after tenure. Yeah. I have not though. Um, but the other kind of like the other side of my work where I see this is like the fear side for sure. And I, it's kind of related to getting tenure, but the humiliation associated with not getting tenure would be huge. Is that a thing? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's a very much a thing. And people uh, who don't get tenure, like it is, like a professional not embarrassment, setback. but like it's a setback, right? I mean, you've been told by your colleagues that they don't want to commit to having you as part of the faculty for oh. like the rest of your career, and then and you that, have to come on the podcast and and say that. Yeah, I mean, there there would be like multiple levels of, of embarrassment here. So, I mean, lots of people choose not to like go up for tenure review and like leave academia. Like that happens all the time, and that's different. Yeah. Um, but I think like the humiliation associated with not getting tenure is a very real fear for me right now. Um, and so I think like both of re- there's like huge rewards, but there's also a little fear there. So I think that one is such a big. There's like both sides of the spectrum because it's such a huge event. Um, and even like the the smaller side of things is like the not being able to be invited to do fun projects. Like if I don't, I feel like there's a little fear around not finishing projects quickly enough for me. Um, and that's always something that people struggle with in academia is like getting things out quickly. Um, but not getting invited to do fun projects is definitely another a big source of fear for me that motivates me when I'm now struggling with this paper and finally finishing it because I'm getting worried that <laughs> <laughs> I won't get to keep doing fun projects. Um, and it's actually something I've noticed a lot lately is that if I'm noticing I'm feeling anxious about doing something, it probably means it's like the thing worth doing. Um, and so yeah. I'm using that as kind of a cue to be like, Hey, this is 
probably the thing I should be leaning into the most. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Running yeah. towards the resistance. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a technique that I use in, in my own work too. I have a resistance cool. list and everything on the list is something I'm resisting doing. And so every day I pick one thing on the list and just spend a bit of time on it and kind of build that muscle up to the point where I can tolerate resistance and kind of learn to love it in a way. Cause like, <laughs> like Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I am my own prisoner in my own working reality, but it's, uh, it's fantastic. And like resistance, the fact that you're resisting something is usually a sign that something is important. Mm-hmm. And that has connections to motivation as well. Uh, because if you look at, you know, we, we talked about the different levels of motivation. There's the uh, situational one, which is the reward versus fear. But there's also a task-based one. Uh, we chatted on episode number 27 uh, on the triggers of procrastination, where there are certain attributes that a task has that make us more likely to put it off until another day. Uh, and those are whether a task is boring, frustrating, difficult, ambiguous, unstructured, lacking in personal meaning, and lacking in intrinsic rewards. And so the process of doing it is not rewarding in and of itself. But the opposite of procrastination, you know, we're drawn to something. We're drawn to a task because it's, it's the opposite. Of, it's enjoyable. It's exciting. It's easy. It's clear. It's structured. It's meaningful. It's intrinsically rewarding. And we, we talk, that, that might be a good episode to revisit, you know, whether you're not motivated or whether you're falling onto the other side of the motivation spectrum and actively putting things off. It, it might be worth disseminating what attributes a task sets off so you can either make it more fun. You know, that that's a, a nice reality of our work sometimes. The, it, usually the reasons that we put something off are quite simple. Uh, it's not fun enough. It's yeah. not structured enough. We don't have the support that we need in order to get something done. And so reviewing those triggers of procrastination, another nice way on top of uh, organizing your motivations by uh, fear and opportunity, or what, what What was the frame that John used in the book? Fear and reward. Fear and reward. Uh, another one is the procrastination mm-hmm. idea. Oh, yeah. I'm really, really thinking about this right now because in I at our new place, we moved a couple, I guess, a month ago. Yeah. Um, and the place we live, I have an office for the first time ever. I have my own oh, office. And it is cozy, so ladies cozy. and gentlemen. It's up in like the third floor of this really yeah. old century home in Ottawa, and it's just so cozy. I wasn't sure about that paint color that you chose. Yeah, but I picked a it really person, dark green. Yeah. And everyone told me it was a bad idea. And I was right. It is a great idea. It is so cozy. Um, it's just dark and in, lovely in there. And I just yeah. feel like I'm getting a hug from my room. And I, my productivity has gone through the roof oh, since yeah, I've having, had an office. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny if you ask somebody where they're the most productive, people rarely say like, Oh, in my office at work. <laughs> yeah, it's when we have control over our environment and can mold it to be something that we want it to be. That that's when we're the most productive. Yeah. Oh man, I'm loving it. So just having an enjoyable workspace, like even if it's just a matter of like when we when I work when I was working at our old place, um, having a cup of tea that I really loved. Like I would save certain kinds of tea for just for work oh. because it was more enjoyable. Um, and so when you have something to, to make the process a little more fun, you remove that mental resistance. What kind of tea? Liquor spice tea is always a oh. good one. The Vata balance tea is the one I always used for 
for meditation, which I loved. From and I think Cha-cha we talked about tea. tea. Yeah, we've talked Shout about that before. Yeah. Um, and the cinnamon green tea from the tea store in Ottawa. It's literally called just the tea store. Um, and they they have a cinnamon green tea that I love so, so, so much. And that's one I, I try to lean into when I'm working and love only it. drink when I work. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Situation-based motivation, task-based motivation, basic psychological needs. We talked about that a little bit. Also known as self-determination theory. Did we talk about what motivates you? Like what are, where do you see reward and fear-based motivation coming into your work? Where I think about it is in this book that I just handed in. Yay! Uh, because with, yeah, yesterday. I in, know, in fact, so exciting. Uh, pretty exciting. Uh, we'll have to do like a reveal of some sort on the podcast yeah. if, if people are interested in that. Uh, but uh, I think of it, uh, you know, the reward, the opportunity of that is to make the uh, difference. Because if, if somebody is reading this thing, hopefully they find it helpful. Hopefully I've done a lot of work on their behalf so that they can uh, achieve the goal that the book sets out to, to do. And this is a bit of a different goal book than the others that I've put out. Uh, so there's that, but it's also the success of the book. And I'm not really success-driven, like accomplishment-driven, I just want to be able to keep doing what I do for a living because I love it so much. Uh, and so to have the book be a success and to have it earn out the advance that I was paid for it and just to continue uh, delivering on my passions is is the opportunity for me there. But there's also the fear. You know, what if, what if that advance doesn't earn out? Uh, what if I'm wasting somebody's time when they pick up the book? What if they think, oh, like... Where is this guy going with this? When is he going to get to the helpful stuff? You know, what if I talk too much about myself in the book? That's that's a, a worry that I have because I get a bit more personal in this book. Um, and, and so like the fears, the rewards, they're, they're nicely balanced with this, but I think yeah. it's mostly opportunity and I'm excited to get it out there. It's like one of those books that... I would read even if you weren't my husband. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I loved yeah. it. It's and my I, favorite. It, it's also like I think about like the stuff you talk about it in all the time. Like in my like date, I'm like, oh, I should be like thoughtful about how I'm using these like devices. <laughs> anyway, I like think about the stuff in the book on a like daily basis, which is weird. So. I think it's the best one of the three. I agree. Hmm. And I loved your first two. So we'll have to see. Praise. We'll have to see if people agree. Hopefully they do. We'll see. So how do we keep motivation going? I don't know. How do you keep motivation going? <laughs> well, uh, you know, the other day, and we'll link to this in the show notes, but the values that we have matter a lot um, because when we live in accordance with what we value uh, on a deeper level, that produces motivation, that produces meaning, right? Meaning is really just experiencing our values through our actions and, and observing uh, the, the psychological effect that that has on our mind. And, and the values research is actually quite fascinating. Uh, yeah, you know, you're loving this right now. Yeah. I'm hearing so much uh, about values oh, research, guys. Oh, my, my poor wife. My, my poor wife. <laughs> it's but, okay. I bored you with econ research for the last six years. So, <laughs> beep, boop, boop, beep. Yeah. Uh, so, th- there is a study conducted, or not a study, th- this is a, a, a framework developed by Shalom Schwartz. And it has been validated. You know, you think, the values framework, that sounds kind of fluffy a little bit, uh, but it is based on psychological theory, uh, on motivational theory, on what motivates us. Um, and essentially, you know, our motivations can be focused on ourselves or other people, uh, and they can be focused on whether we want things to change or stay the same. And out of those mo- four motivations, we can kind of draw uh, the basic 
values that we all share. And in this theory that he came up with, um, this, this theory has been validated uh, by more than 300 samples in 80 countries, so it, it works across cultures. He has narrowed it down to 10. Uh, wow. 10. That seems like such an undertaking. Yeah. Oof. It has, because you Google like list of values and there's money, there is freedom, <laughs> there is all these different, you know, word clouds of values, yeah. but he has 10 uh, and those are self-direction. So moving ourselves around in the world, uh, stimulation, hedonism, achievement, power, security, conformity, tradition, benevolence, and universalism. So universalism is equality, you know, unity with nature and other people. And essentially, we have varying amounts of these 10, and there are 10, these 10 values can conflict with one another. Some of them complement one another. Uh, my personal ones are self-direction, and it's, that's probably the same for a lot of listeners. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody listening to a podcast called Time and Attention probably uh, wants to invest in self-direction, you know, that freedom, the creativity, the independence, choosing our own goals, the curiosity, but also benevolence, universalism, uh, and hedonism a little bit for myself, but not power or and not conformity to. But the cool thing about these is that they are they like cross cultures, right? They've, yeah. they've, they've tested this and they seem to be kind of like a fundamental... There's something fundamental about these particular 10 where they don't yeah. vary even like across cultures. You'll see that people have, they might be like a different distribution in like where people fall within a different mm-hmm. like cultural context, but they do seem to be kind of universal in in how people resonate with particular ideas, Yeah, which is pretty cool. So something worth reflecting on as well. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we could dig into that on another episode. Yeah. So we're coming up on the time. Oh, how do we get tactical with this stuff, with the motivation stuff? I mean, I think of the big first step is kind of like awareness, right? Yeah. B- bringing more attention or awareness to the fact that maybe you're motivated by certain things. Realizing what motivates you is a is a huge first step, right? Because then if you if you know what motivates you and you're finding for example, if you're finding you're procrastinating something, you can bring the things that motivate you front of mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the book, John, I think talks about he uses like a particularly scented candle that he really likes and oh. uses that when he works to make the work more, re- it's a reward-based tactic, right? Uh-huh. Where he uses a particular candle. It's very similar to, I used to use a heated blanket or I would use a particular cup of tea uh, to make my work more enjoyable. And so if there's even little things, I mean, that sounds small, but if you know what motivates you and you start associating that thing with just when you work, if it's reward-based um, I mean, that's a good way of kind of conditioning yourself to to feel motivated to do something that you're averse to. Yeah. And similarly, like if you can really bring the things that you're afraid of or fearing or trying to avoid, like the avoidance idea, um, this is something you can you can bring front of mind when you're trying to motivate yourself. If you're finding that you are avoidance motivated, yeah. And if you find you're putting something off, really, mm-hmm. you know, revisiting episode number twenty seven. The triggers of procrastination, understanding those can move you across the motivation spectrum. Mm-hmm. And in the long term, minding your values, you know, knowing the 10 from which all others stem, knowing how you uh, relate to those values, which ones you care about, uh, kind of reflecting on your time and whether you're spending that in accordance with your values can make time more meaningful over time too. Cool. Yeah. I love it. This is an action-packed episode. Yeah, we fit in values, procrastination, and motivation. And several theories wow. on uh, motivation. All right, listeners, wow. you all deserve a, a celebratory cup of 
cup of tea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More than that, I'd say. <laughs> a good pat on the back. A good there pat go. on the back to you and yours, my friends. Yes. Thank you for uh, tuning in to another episode. Mm-hmm. Do you think people notice that I, I, I'm sick? No. Okay. That's good. <laughs> we'll just I mean, mention that. At I the can end. barely notice that you're sick. Okay. Though. That's good. Maybe it makes for a better, uh, more uh, a soporific podcast. Maybe. Yeah. All right. But anyway. It's not COVID. He's just sick. It's not COVID. All yeah. the tests have been negative. Yeah. Yeah. Got a little head cold. Time and attention.fm. That's where you can find the uh, all the episodes of the podcast or just stay subscribed yeah. to the podcast. You know, it's nice to have you. And uh, show no- in the show notes are all the links to the articles, the uh, ideas that we chatted about today. So Fun we stuff. hope you have a wonderful week. We'll see you in a couple Tuesdays. Bye.